the Son therefore shall make you free, he shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 16th, 2011. And today we're going to have a two-part type study. I'm not going to sure it's going to be two parts in total, but we're going to have one part that's going to be current events and then a, a dedicated study regarding uh, Rick Warren and his new health initiative and the things that go along with that health initiative, uh, like Reiki and, uh, well... I guess you could throw yoga, tantric yoga in there and meditation. And the first part we're going to do is on the current events. And I've had a lot of inquiries about these mass bird and fish deaths uh, really taking place all over the world right now at this point. But it's it, a lot of it really got kicked off with what happened in Arkansas. <clears throat> and then we're going to be looking at some other subjects, uh, New World Order type of related in the first part of the study. So uh, starting off here... This first article is uh, entitled, Experts Suspect Military Testing Behind Mass Bird and Fish Deaths. There's a lot of different theories floating around regarding what caused the, uh, what's causing these mass bird and fish deaths. And when something like this happens, I tend to just step back and let, this, let these types of things develop instead of just pouncing on something and saying, oh yes, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. Because the reality is, is nobody really knows 100% for sure. After a week or two when something like this happens, I can kind of look back, look at all of the things that have come out and say, okay, what seems to be the most probable thing that's probably causing this? Uh, because, you know, if you rush out there and you start to commit and be dogmatic about a particular thing, a lot of times you end up getting burned because you come back and you say, oh, well, that wasn't what happened at all. So from after, you know, a couple different weeks of this, this is where I'm, I'm leaning the most is um, possible military testing. Not to say it has to be, but there's some logical reasons I'm going to set this forth as, as you'll see as we get into this. So this starts out by a quote from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission saying that the birds that were autopsied, uh, the birds suffered from acute physical trauma leading to internal hemorrhage and death. Uh, it has been said mankind will destroy itself. Unfortunately, during the past 100 years, the human race has worked hard to make this prediction come true. Now, this is written from a kind of an unsaved uh, secular standpoint, uh, so just so you know. Nuclear arsenals can destroy man mankind many times over. Biological weapons exist that can annihilate all humanity. Toxins are available that are so deadly a few drops in a city's water supply can actually kill millions. Yet another weapons technology has been under development for some decades. Scalar technology, invented by the uh, Nikola Tesla in the early 20th century, has the potential to turn the environment itself into a weapon and tune its deadly properties into a merciless, near-instantaneous killer. That advanced technology may have just been tested in Arkansas and Louisiana. Ominous evidence is steadily growing that the bizarre red-winged blackbird deaths now being reported across three states are not natural. Although some scientists have proposed that the initial bird death, numbered at 5,000, might have been caused by fireworks, ornithologists scoff at that suggestion. An ornithologist would be like a specialist guy that would just study birds. Um, other theories floating around include speculation that severe updrafts 
or other local microbursts killed the birds. Yet that is highly improbable and does not collaborate with eyewitness testimony of local residents who watched the birds literally drop from the sky. Other witnesses uh, claim that not all the birds that fell were already dead. Some were still alive appeared and appeared confused or dazed. A few even made desperate attempts to seek shelter inside houses. Poor things. Seemingly trying to escape whatever was killing them outdoors. On a lighter note, I looked out my back window today and we saw like a whole gaggle of wild turkeys in my backyard. It was like the coolest thing. I've never seen that before. There was like, I don't know how many of them. About 15. And they're so, I've heard that they're very smart and they're very hard to even hunt. And I mean, we just made a little bit of commotion inside the house and the windows were all sealed and they all took off. That's, you know, that was pretty neat. I've never seen that before. Anyway, um, I'm going to throw that in since we're talking about birds. Uh, A freak meteorological phenomenon also cannot be accounted for reports of mass bird deaths that follow the Arkansas incident. Red red Red-winged blackbirds have also been seen falling out of the skies over Louisiana and reported by an eyewitness also in Kentucky. Uh, The Arkansas Game and Fish Commission said in a statement Monday that, quote, the birds suffered from acute physical trauma leading to internal hemorrhage and death. There was no sign of chronic or infectious disease. And then they go on to say that eliminates the possibility of West Nile virus or some other avian illness. Like, you know, we've heard about like even the avian bird flu, H5N1, which is what I talked about a lot about in um, 06 when I did the, the... that tour. Uh, now, granted, just because they said that doesn't mean we couldn't possibly be getting the whole story. There could be a big cover-up here. So bear that in mind. Okay, I understand that that's also, also a big possibility as well. According to NBC News, Arkansas official state veterinarian George, Dr. George Badley uh, stated the blackbirds fell in mid-flight, not upon impact with the ground after they fell. Either the birds ran into something or something ran into the birds. And again, that would more coincide with something that happened to them from an electromagnetic or some kind of sudden thing. If it was some type of avion, West Nile, whatever plague, they're not going to all fall out of the sky at once at the same time in unison. It's just not going to happen. You know, it would would be, you know, one or two and, and, you know, because obviously that's the way it would have to happen. Um... Regarding that, puzzle researchers are scrambling to determine if the massive fish death that seemed to accompany the stricken blackbirds is in any way linked. Some believe they are linked, yet other bizarre reports are still streaming in concerning other fish deaths. Beyond the frightening mass death of fish in the Arkansas River that covered 20 miles, reports have come in on mass aquatic death off Chesapeake Bay and 100 tons of dead fish that have washed up on the Brazilian coastline. Brazilian officials have never seen anything like it. Some reports in the Brazilian media claim that a few coastal communities are panicking, believing that the water has been poisoned. Investigating the mass fish deaths in the Arkansas River near a dam in the Ozarks, some 125 miles west of Beebe, Arkansas, uh, BB is a suburb of Little Rock and has about 5,000 residents. And it's where many of the red-winged blackbirds met their strange end as well. Although the state fish and wildlife investigators say the disease may be the reason why 100,000 fish suddenly died in mass, 
they plan to continue testing the river for any evidence of toxins. Curiously, like the birds, all the fish that died were only of one species. All the other fish were unaffected. And that's another really weird thing. All the fish and all the birds were of the same species. You know, and again, if it was some type of mass type of pandemic thing, you would expect other species to be affected as well. It's just very strange that that's the only thing. Some researchers believe evidence exists that points to the secret U.S. government testing of advanced weaponry, more specifically, scalar weapons technology. The interesting thing about this theory is that it does account for internal disintegration of the bird's organs and the short-lived survivor's state of disorientation and the atmospherics that were occurring after the incident. So see, again, you have to like put it together like a piece of a puzzle and things are lining up pointing that, it, that it's likely that it's scalar technology the scalar weapon that actually caused this. Radiation comes in many forms, including thermal, photonic, microwave, nuclear, and magnetic. Scalar technology incorporates the transmission of high-energy electromagnetic radiation designed to disrupt geological and biological processes. It's a technology that is most secret and has been under development since the 1970s. Other than U.S. research on its applications as a militarized weapon, work is also being done to advance the technology in the U.K., Russia, China, and Israel. According to Watson and Jones, uh, Alex Jones, scalar weapons that can artificially manipulate the environment could be responsible for the mass die-offs. We know for a fact that over a decade ago, the U.S. military-industrial complex was aware of and involved in the testing of such technology. Both also refer to former U.S. Department of Defense Secretary uh, William Cohen, who during a press conference in a 1997 stated that for the record, and I've got this quote on my Avion Flu presentation, if you want to go watch that, you could just go up to YouTube and Ken Scott Johnson and Avion, and you can actually see the presentation I did at Prophecy Club. Anyway, um, this is a quote from him, Secretary of uh, Defense, William Cohen from 1997. He said, quote, Others, meaning terrorists, are engaging even in an echo type of terrorism, whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely, through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon other nations. It's real, and that's the reason why we have to intensify our counterterrorism efforts. And if you go to the presentation I just told you about, you'll see that I give you a lot of quotes that they've been able to actually alter and control the weather. The government has had whole uh, pieces of legislation drawn up since the early 1970s. I mean, and I'm sure it goes back a lot farther than that. But this is when they started openly admitting to being able to control the weather, set off earthquakes. You name it. They've admitted they can do it. So it's not something that is like a conspiracy theory. It's something they've openly admitted to, and it's been since the early 1970s. Uh, of course, what Cohen is referring to was scalar technology. The government has not been uh, adverse to experimenting with advanced weapons or potential weapons near or on its own citizens. From the 1950s onward, the U.S. government deliberately engaged in open-air tests, spraying major cities like San Francisco and New York with Seradia Marcersians and Bacillus Glogigi, um, in 1955, the CIA also released a bacteria withdrawn from the Army's biological warfare 
arsenal over Tampa Bay, Florida, in order to test its ability to infect human populations with biological agents. I mean, you could go, I've done studies on this, but you could do, you know, over, you could, you could do probably a 10 hour study on all of the uh, experimentation the U.S. government has done on the U.S. population, uh, going all the way back to, I believe, the early 1920s. So, I mean, and I'm talking some really heinous stuff here. Really bad stuff. High-frequency sonar experiments have killed countless whales, porpoises, and other sea life. After years of denying it, the U.S. Navy finally admitted their responsibility. Uh, Other experiments with the infamous HARP, secreted away in a massive installation far in the north wasteland of Alaska, have caused significant weather changes to parts of northern Russia, and specifically a wide swath of Siberia that has caused formal protests from the Russian government. In 1966, the U.S. Army dispensed Bacillus subtilius uh, variant Niger through the New York subway system. In 1977, Senate hearings on the health and scientific research confirmed that 239 populated areas had been contaminated with biological agents between 1949 and 1969, including San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Key West, Panama City, Minneapolis, and St. Louis. And again, you could just go on and on and on about that subject. Plausible deniability has always been the key to covert tests. Operations by intelligence services and military operations, especially tests conducted over populated areas. Scalar technology can be tuned. Patents that have been granted support that capability. This tuning ability permits the electromagnetic frequencies to zero in on specific biology, such as certain species of birds or fish or even humans. Only the red-winged blackbirds died in this particular case, and it was in midair. Curiously, like the birds, all the fish that died were only of one species. And with scalar technology, you can zero in on a specific species to kill it. What else could have done it? I mean, if you think about it. I mean, if we're, again, if it was some type of plague, you're not going to get them all, you're going to get a a, a contamination of different species. You're not going to be able to prevent that. And you're not going to get them all falling out of the sky at the same time. Just seems the most probable. Uh, and then again, all the other fish run affected but one species. So, could scalar beams have been tuned to wipe out the birds and the fish? That they hemorrhaged internally and some of the organs literally melted is an effect of scalar beams can produce. Military field tests, a kind of in-situ laboratory experiment, may well account for bizarre deaths of the birds and fish. Scalar can be projected across thousands of miles, and a beam weapon could have originated anywhere in the U.S. It might have even been activated from a seaborne platform on a Navy vessel. So it's not like they've got to have some big weapons platform out there right below where all the birds are killed. It's just like HARP. They can actually do it from thousands of miles away. I mean, this is some really advanced stuff we're talking about here. If that is the case, then the test would be ongoing and targeting red-winged blackbirds to access the efficacy of a beam technology could easily be carried out across Arkansas, Louisiana, Kentucky. Perhaps more incidents will occur in the near future. Another aspect of 3D scalar technology is the theoretical ability to force to create a force field bubble. If such an experiment was attempted and the flock of birds flew into the force field and the after effects would be eerily similar to what the BB residents witnessed. Furthermore, what the follow-up autopsies revealed about the internal state of the bird's organs also supports the kind of scalar interaction with avion, meaning bird, physiology. 
The inherent danger of scalar testing is that it's a technology not yet fully understood. As Cohen stated during the press conference more than a decade ago, the technology can be employed as a devastating climate weapon. It can also be used if a great enough power supply is provided to literally move mountains in the form of activating dormant volcanoes, setting off gigantic killer earthquakes with resulting tsunamis, seed ocean depressions and stimulate them into a Category 5 hurricane. Yeah, we can create hurricanes. We can also dissipate them pretty much at will. I mean, I'm not saying if the hand of God wasn't, you know, wasn't intervening there, but I'm saying that we have that technology. Uh, where, and you can also use this technology to steer these hurricanes into landfall against potential enemies. We have all that technology. We've had it for decades. Not like it's front page news, but what better way to test the capabilities than internally within the U.S. borders on an unsuspecting citizenry? After all, it will only kill fish and birds. Nothing will probably go wrong. No, nothing would probably ever go wrong with a test like that. They're being tongue-in-cheek. They're sarcastic. Uh, thank God the victims were only the 5,000 red-winged blackbirds and not 5,000 residents of BB Arkansas. Next time we might not be so fortunate, but there's always plausible deniability. And I give you the link to the audio part of uh, the Avion Flu presentation I said. Uh, you can click on, there will be a 13-page PDF for the current event teaching for January 16, 2011. You can go and click on that on contendingfortruth.com. You can click on the PDF, and it's about on page, uh, uh, let me see here, page 5. You'll see a little link there, and you can click on it. You go to about the four-minute mark, and you'll hear my whole presentation on that weather control aspect. Uh, pretty interesting stuff, particularly if you've never heard it. Next article is called uh, Google Map Traces Mass Animal Deaths. It's a map that believers in, they're saying, biblical plagues and other end times might well shudder at. Many of the recent reports of mass animal deaths worldwide have been compiled by an anonymous person into one big unsettling Google Map. The Atlas of Animal Annihilation has pins placed on the sites of the die-offs and offers links to news stories chronicling a particular, what they call a flockalypse. <laughs> That's what they're referring to it as. Anyway, um, these are including puzzling, uh, the puzzling plummet of the thousands of red-winged blackbirds in Louisiana and Arkansas, heaps of crabs littering England's beaches, uh, loads of fish washing up in countries such as the Philippines. However ominous all these Critter deaths may be. Scientists have assured the public that the events are not linked. It appears rather that the widely reported Blackbird story set off a chain of media reports of other similar mysterious massacres around the globe. So anyway, it's, it's like a map you can click on to give you the link there, and it, it's kind of documenting all these mass fur, fish and uh, bird die-offs globally, if, if you're interested in that. So let's go to the next article here. Uh, it's entitled, George Soros, the United States must stop resisting the orderly decline of the dollar and the coming global currency in the new world order. Now, I'm not going to, you can go and listen to the video. I'm just going hit to the, hit the high points of this video and the implications of it. In the video you're about to see, now again, we're not going to listen to it, but you can, you can do so. I'll give you all the links here in the PDF. Uh, George Soros talks about the creation of a new world order. He discusses the need for a, quote, managed decline 
of the U.S. dollar, and he talks at length of the global need for a true world currency. I mean, this guy's right out in the open, you know, one of the richest guys on earth. It says just, so, so who is George Soros? Well, he is a billionaire philanthropist who came to be known as, quote, the man who broke the Bank of England when he raked in a staggering $1 billion during the 1992 Black Wednesday currency crisis. These days, Soros is most famous for being perhaps the most, quote, politically active, at least openly, billionaire in the world. His Open Society Institute is in more than 60 countries, and it spends approximately $600 million a year promoting the ideals that Soros once promoted. Soros and his pet organizations have played a key role in quite a few, quote, revolutions around the globe over the last several decades. But these days, the main goal of George Soros is to bring political change to the United States. So exactly what is George Soros trying to accomplish? Well, in a nutshell, what he wants is a Big Brother-style one-world government based on extreme European-style socialism, strict population control, and the radical green agenda. I mean, the guy, you know... I mean, we're talking a real evil agenda here. It would be a world where the state tightly regulates everything that we do for the greater benefit of the environment and of society as a whole. So it's basically just like, you know, Satanic Agenda 101 here. Uh, Hold on here. Okay, so, however, Soros is not the, quote, mastermind of the New World Order that some have tried to make him out to be. The truth is that those in the international banking elite, Soros is considered to be something of a, quote, black sheep and an outsider. Much of what Soros is trying to accomplish lines up with the goals of the international banking elite, but what they don't like is that Soros won't stop publicly talking about a global currency and a new world order. Of course, the international banking elite very much want those things, but what they don't need is the squeaky wheel, like Soros running around drawing unneeded attention to the goals. Normally, they like to keep this stuff under wraps, and reveal their agenda incrementally, and they normally don't like to come right in the open and state things, in other words. Also, Soros does not seem to understand that both sides of the political spectrum in the United States are deeply influenced by the international banking elite. Sadly, the truth is that the same handful of elite organizations has dominated the cabinets of every single president we have had since World War II. If you doubt this, just check out how many members of each presidential administration over the last 40 years have belonged to either the Council of Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, or the Bilderberg Group. If you have never looked into this before, if you've never looked into this before, you will be absolutely sorry, I'm fast forwarding here too quick here, shocked. No matter what president we elect, it's always the same exact organizations that always dominate the cabinets. They're just two sides of the same coin, Republican and Democrat. They're two sides of the same corrupt coin. And yes, in one administration, maybe they're not going to be as, like this thing with Obama, I mean, this has been so aggressive with as far as trying to implement the tenets of the coming New World Order. I mean, flagrant, just in your face. Uh, Bush was bad, but Obama, I mean, it's taken it to a whole other level. I think what we have here is different levels of aggressiveness between different presidents, but it's two sides of the same corrupt coin is what we have to understand here. 
but Soros seems very much trapped within the left-right paradigm, and he seems absolutely obsessed with, the, with destroying the Republican Party. Well, that's his part that he's playing. You know, I, I, I believe, like they all say, you know, when the deal, when the day's over and, the, and, and all of the political wrangling is done, they all probably go to the same bar and, and have a drink together, and they're all good buddies, Okay, Democrat and Republican both. Okay, his part to play supposedly destroying the Republican Party. Okay, uh, for example, Soros spent an insane amount of money attempting to defeat George W. Bush back in 2004, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. George Soros donated twenty-three million five hundred and eighty-one thousand during that election cycle alone to political organizations that were trying to keep Bush from being reelected. Do you know how much good that money could do for, like, orphans and widows and the poor and to advance the gospel? $23 million, as far as I'm concerned, just flushed down the toilet. Flushed down the toilet. All the millions and millions and millions that are just totally wasted that could do so much good on this earth. It's just, it's sickening. Soros has been a tremendous backer of Barack Obama. Although lately, Soros seems a bit disenchanted with him. Through organizations such as the Center for American Politics and MoveOn.org, Soros is constantly trying to influence the state of American politics. So what is George Soros thinking about these days? Well, in the video posted below, you will see Soros discussing an orderly decline of the U.S. dollar, which is exactly... From all the prognosticators, whether they be Christian or whether they be... Now, I'm not talking about MSNBC and I'm not talking about mainstream news. I'm talking about the people that are being honest. All That's, that's my the predictions that I'm seeing for this year. Food crisis, uh, skyrocketing food prices, increased gas prices, orderly decline of, of the dollar, uh, possible coming martial law. This is what I'm seeing over and over and over again. Uh, regarding 2011. This guy's basically saying we have to have an orderly decline of the U.S. dollar uh, and then also the coming global currency and also he's emphasizing the importance of the New World Order. See, the, the New World Order is going to become the savior of the world. We have to have the New World Order. We have to have the One World Currency. We have to be all united under Antichrist because that's our savior. That's what's going, that's what the, the big carrot that Satan is going to ultimately put out there, that's where we're being orchestrated and jockeyed into position to believe that this is going to be the only hope for all humanity and all mankind. And it's all done through lies, but that's what they're doing. That, that, that's uh, how they're jockeying us into that position. Um, and then it goes on to say, did you notice how uncomfortable Soros was when he was saying the term New World Order in the video? The truth is he knows exactly what the phrase means. He knows, he knows that it's a phrase that he probably shouldn't say and that will get a lot of attention, but he said it anyway. Soros also seemed a bit uncomfortable as he discussed a, quote, orderly decline of the U.S. dollar. Soros has been saying the U.S. dollar needs to go down for quite a while now, and he speaks of the coming fall of the, of the dollar as though it's inevitable. Well, there's nothing behind the dollar. There's nothing backing the dollar. There's been nothing backing the dollar since, literally, I guess you go back to 1968 when they totally took us off the silver standard. There was nothing in the money of any real intrinsic value. It was just paper or metal. There was nothing backing it, though, anymore. So you can't have that type of system 
go on forever. Something's got to give in the end. The only thing Soros seems to fear is that the managed decline of the dollar could get out of hand and it could lead to a global financial chaos. Soros even had the gall to say that having the dollar to be the reserve currency of the world is not in our national interest. Uh, Let's see here. And that it could move, and that a move to a global currency is, quote, healthy, if if not a painful adjustment, that we are going to have to endure for the greater good of the world economy. But shouldn't the American people have something to say about this? Perhaps the American people do not want a managed decline of the U.S. dollar, or they don't want a new global currency. But they're going to be made, though. The sheeple in America are going to be made to see that this is the only viable, real, good option for us. Because they're going to decide what's best for us, and they're going to paint it in such a way on mainstream media that it's really going to seem like the only viable option. Maybe they don't want a new world order. Well, that's too bad. But to men like George Soros, it really doesn't matter what the little people think. In the world that Soros lives in, those with overwhelming amounts of money and power know what's best for all of us. And if the little people don't seem to want to go along with it initially, then the public opinion can be brought around to make us just spend more money. The sad truth is that already we live in a global economy. Just go to about any store in the United States and start picking up products to see where they're made. Almost everything he gets made in China now, you know, and that's a one-way street, totally. I mean, we we ship practically nothing into China. They ship all their goods, all their a lot of cheap, inferior slave labor goods into our country. Walmart being the, the worst of all, as far as bringing those in, and you know, that's just the way it is anymore. Uh, let's see here. Just go. And you start picking up products to see where they're made. Very few things we still buy are even made in the United States. Well, they've shipped all the all the uh, jobs overseas, and that's all been by design. It's all been all of this has been done to bring about the managed decline of the United States and the destruction of the middle class. They're going to have a super elite and a super um, poor class, and they really don't want anything in the middle. And that's, that's the way that they've been jockeying us into position for a long time. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He still can, you know, protect his remnant and his children just like he did ten years ago. This isn't taking him by surprise or anything. I'm just telling you, this is what they're, they're kind of planning, you know, so that you can get your house in order. The Bible says, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And the Bible says, go to the ant. And look at the ant, see what he does. What does he do? He stores up his food in the summer so that he's got ample food in the winter to eat. You know, these are these are just things that that um, we we see this coming, and uh, you know, whatever you can do, whatever the Lord's convicting you to do, I'm just saying, you know, be faithful to that. So today, labor is a global commodity. American workers must now directly compete for jobs with those making slave labor wages in China and India. You can't do it. You can't compete with that. The fact that millions of U.S. jobs are being offshored and outsourced does not bother the advocates of globalism at all because it's all supposedly a beneficial thing for the overall global economy. You know, it's just better for the greater good. The only thing it's better for is the pocketbooks of the elites who are getting rich and creating this ultra-slave class and ultra-elite class. That's who it's good for. You know, because I mean, slave labor—the people that are under slave labor—that that that life's a terrible life too. But that's what they're 
they're doing, unfortunately. Uh, let's see here. Most Americans have little or no idea just how much influence international organizations such as the United Nations, the World Bank, the IMF, and the World Trade Organization have on our daily lives. The truth is we already live in a world that has been deeply integrated. As this continues to some point, it will only seem natural for America to, to agree to a true global currency and full global political integration. So again, that wasn't written from a safe standpoint, but just stating facts. Just, you know, I'm seeing all the stuff lately regarding 2011 and all these dire predictions. And, and you know, I, I pray that we have another year, but it's not looking like we're going to have another year before things really, really start to get bad. Not, not saying they're not bad for a lot of people right now, but um, I'm talking about a real mega nosedive that could literally happen in a very short period of time. Um, next article is entitled, 5,200 Pentagon Workers Purchased Child Pornography. <clears throat> Hundreds of contractors and private employers of the U.S. government have purchased child pornography and have neither been prosecuted or even investigated. Yes, you heard that correctly. Child pornography, um, Project Flickr had discovered the activities of child pornography of as many as 5,200 people in the Pentagon, many of whom were linked to fleet zip codes or military addresses. The investigation by the Pentagon ran for eight months and only cross-referenced 3,500 ties with the Pentagon employees, uh, according to a senator. I'm going to play this clip, just a few-minute clip. This is just mind-boggling. Child pornography? 5,200 people? In the Pentagon? I mean, that's pretty much sounds like some type of beyond epidemic. Is that representative of just our government? I mean, if that's going on in the Pentagon, you're telling me it's not going on in other parts of our government? And I can't imagine anything that would really defile a person hardly much more than looking at child pornography. I mean, what it's doing to you on a spiritual level, I, I, it's hard to say, but it's really, really bad. It's like, you talk about adopt-a-demon. I mean, and if that's the case, then if you got a guy or a person or whatever that's looking at child pornography all the time, then those are not the people you want in charge of the government. I mean, can you imagine how hardened and how black your mind would become if you were doing that all the time? And then you're going to be the one in charge of the Pentagon? And, and I mean, whoa, that is, that is, you th start to think about that. So, anyway, I'm just going to play, play this uh, first few minutes of this so you can hear this. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and play this here, this about three, three minutes and 30 seconds. Keeping in mind, it's potentially hundreds of military employees and contractors who may have bought child pornography online but haven't been prosecuted or even in some cases investigated. That's right, you heard me, child pornography. As many as 1,700 names, according to a U.S. Senator, on a list of 5,200 from an Internet sting operation overlooked the first time around four years ago. Only now are they supposedly getting a second look, and only after pressure from investigative reporters and the U.S. Senator you're about to hear from, Republican Charles Grassley. Pentagon porn story began in 2006. An immigration and customs enforcement child pornography sting operation called Project Flickr produced payment records of about 
5,200 people, many of whom provided Army or fleet zip codes or military email addresses. Subsequently, the Pentagon's investigative branch, DCIS, began going through the ICE list to identify who actually was a DOD employee or a contractor. The investigation, however, only ran for eight months and only cross-checked some 3,500 names for Pentagon ties, according to a senator. According to DCIS documents revealed in a Freedom of Information Act request, out of that 3,500, investigators uncovered 264 employees or contractors, including staffers for the Secretary of Defense and contractors at the NSA. Nine people had top security clearances. But only about 20% of those 264 people were completely investigated. Fewer still were prosecuted, and about eight months, after about eight months, the entire probe was halted. It left about 1,700 names totally unchecked, 1,700 alleged kiddie porn customers, an unknown number of whom may still work in some capacity for the Defense Department. Late last summer, after investigations by the Boston Globe and Yahoo News revealed the figures, a Pentagon spokesman promised to reopen the investigation, conceding that DCIS had stopped due to lack of resources. DCIS says it is now revisiting all 5,200 names, telling Senator Grassley's staff they've now identified 302 employees or staffers. The Pentagon's IG telling us, and I quote, any suggestion that the DOD Office of Inspector General or its criminal investigative arm, the DCIS, is not taking Operation Flickr and the issue of child pornography seriously is in error. But Senator Grassley says he is still not getting the cooperation he needs from this Pentagon. I spoke to him earlier. Senator Grassley, you were told that 5,200 Defense Department employees had allegedly purchased child porn, and yet you're saying only 3,500 of those names were cross-checked by defense investigators to see if they were really DOD personnel. That's mind-boggling. Why weren't all of them cross-checked? Well, we don't have an answer to that question, but it's quite obvious that the other 1,700 should have been cross-checked, and that's one of the answers to my questions that I want answered, and uh, the implication of our question is they ought to be cross-checked. Uh, we ought to find out, because we're talking about not just general pornography here. We're talking about child pornography, and child uh, pornography, taking that down, is a crime. Uh, and also, it's a, it, there's an added factor here, considering the fact that there's a lot of uh, secured information, national security information, that the world shouldn't know, that a lot of times uh, foreign operatives will use uh, this sort of criminal activity uh, to blackmail to get information. So there's a lot of things here that are involved uh, because it's a Defense Department issue as opposed to any other department of government. Right. I mean, sir, I mean if your numbers are correct, 1,700 people out there who allegedly purchased child porn, we don't know if they were ever cross-checked or investigated, right? That's true, and there's been... So it, it goes on and on and on. I mean, the, 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 it's probably about another three minutes there, but it really doesn't get to the bottom of anything, and the fact remains is that this is going on. Uh, Jesus said that... Uh, it were better if a millstone were hung about your neck and you'd be cast in the midst of the, of the sea than you offend one of these little ones that believeth on me, meaning little ones that believed in Jesus Christ. I mean, th this is really a serious matter to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean, you talk about an epidemic, up, up to 5,200 just in the Pentagon alone, and then you look at the Pentagon, and it is literally... I mean, they, call, they don't call it the Pentagon for anything, okay? It's literally, if you took a pentagram and you took the inside of the actual star itself, that's the, the shape of this pentagon. It's very, very occultic. And Washington, D.C. is nothing more than an absolute demonic 
cesspool of of evil, and we hopefully proved that last week with the with the studies that we did on Washington D.C. and uh, uh, the founding fathers looking at that subject. So it really shouldn't be of any surprise that this type of behavior would be attracted to particularly the Pentagon alone, but then a lot of other factions of of the government. And I know it's it's uh, somewhat disheartening there, but yeah, that that is what is actually uh, going on there. Uh, unbelievable. Next article, which is similar uh, to this, is I, I, I couldn't believe this when I read it, and I mean it's from a uh, I believe a new a newspaper in um, Belfast, I believe Ireland, and it's entitled "The Pope's Child Porn Normal." Uh, Pope says child porn is normal. Claims spark uh, claims sparks outrage amongst victim victims. And it says, victims of clerical sex abuse have reacted furiously to Pope Benedict's claim yesterday that pedophilia wasn't considered a, quote, absolute evil till as recently as the 1970s. This evil devil from the pit of hell actually had the audacity to say that pedophilia wasn't really considered an absolute evil up until the 1970s. But according to who? According to you, Satan, Mr. Pope, or whatever, or the Catholic Church? Who cares? All that matters is what the Word of God says, right? And the, the Word of God is pretty clear on that. And, and yet, this devil from the pit of hell has the audacity to say that well, really wasn't, pedophilia really wasn't considered an absolute evil up until the 1970s. You, you, you talk about, I mean, have you seen pictures of that guy? He's so evil looking. I mean, it's just oozing out of every pore, you know? I mean, just to look at the guy, just looking on his countenance alone. And yet people look up to this man like he's a god or something in the Catholic religion. This religion that's riddled with pedophilia and homosexual priests and and all of these scandals that are coming out all the time. You look at the, the Bible says, by their fruits, you will know them. It's a rotten tree producing rotten fruit, and it has been doing so for hundreds of years. They're responsible for at least 50 million deaths during the Inquisition, many of them born-again Bible-believing Christians, and yet they go on like they're this holier-than-thou, sanctimonious, pompous institution. And it's so sickening. Oh, my word. Going further, it says his traditional... Christmas address yesterday to cardinal and officials working in Rome, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth also claimed that child pornography was increasingly considered normal by society. Oh, good! I'm going to let society tell me what normal is. Like the Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 normal. It's normal to, you know, defile little children and look upon their naked... I mean, it's so disgusting. I mean, but he's saying, society's saying it's, it's more and more normal all the time. Unbelievable. In the 1970s, the Pope said, here's a quote, In the 1970s, pedophilia was theorized as something fully in conformity with man and even with children. End of quote. Do you believe he's saying this? I mean, he's not helping his cause, I wouldn't think. Of course, I haven't seen this anywhere in the news. This was in, like, this Belfast newspaper. I got this article. 
He said in the 1970s, pedophilia was theorized. This is something fully in conformity with man and even with children. Are you talking about Kinsey? That devil Kinsey who came out and tried to start making, uh, doing all those scientific studies saying, well, it's actually a, a normal thing for men to have sexual relationships with little kids. And I've talked about him at length. Is that what he's re- referencing? Because they know he's not referencing the Bible. Of course, the Catholic Church believes that the Pope, whatever the Pope says, has precedence over whatever the Word of God states. I mean, the Pope as actually known as the Vicar of Christ. That mitre that he wears, that Dagon fish hat that he wears, on the inside rim of it, it says Vicar of Christ. That word Vicar means substitute. He's the substitute for Jesus Christ on this earth. That's what they believe. So, whatever the Pope says, or whatever they convene and determine, that will have that will supersede the Bible. That takes precedence over the Word of God. So, you know, this is how all cults get started. And, and I've called this before. The Catholic Church is the largest pseudo-Christian cult on the planet. It is a pseudo-Christian white witchcraft death cult. That's all it is. So, going further, it was maintained, even within the realm of Catholic theology, that there is no such thing as evil in itself or good in itself. This is, the, this is a quote from, from this wonderful devil, Pope. He says, in Catholic theology, it was maintained that there was no such thing as either good or evil in and of itself. Then he goes on to say, there is only a better than and a worse than. Then he goes on to say, nothing is good or bad in itself. End of quote. Can you believe this guy is saying this? He says nothing is good or bad in itself? Well, that's pretty open-ended. I mean, it sounds like something that Aleister Crowley would say. The great beast. Do what thou will will be the, will be the whole of the law. That's what he said. Do whatever. If it feels good, do it. There's nothing good or bad in and of itself. He's literally putting himself on the same level as Aleister Crowley. In his philosophy, I mean, this is so far off in left field, I, I, I can't even believe what I'm reading. The Pope said abuse revelations in 2010 reached an unimaginable dimension. I guess, I mean, is he saying this because he's trying to like, like change society's perception on what is actually really good and what is actually really evil? I mean, I guess if he can convince their duped, brainwashed followers, if they can convince them that this isn't really that evil, I guess then all of the clerical abuse cases where all these pedophile, homosexual, and bisexual priests have defiled little children, I guess it won't seem as bad. Is that the angle this guy's trying to work? I don't know what angle it is. It's it's sickening. I mean, he says the Pope said uh, abuse revelations in 2010 reached an unimaginable dimension which brought humiliation on the church. Oh, oh no. Anything but bringing humiliation on the church. Asking how how abuse exploded within the church, the pontiff called on senior clerics to repair as much as possible the injustices that occur. How can you repair a defiled child that you've molested from a very early age? 
well, we'll just whitewash old or over it and, and maybe pay, pay him off in some court case. How is that repairing anything? You're not getting rid of the demonic implantation that you've committed. I mean, literally, that's what you're doing when you sodomize a small child. You're, you're implanting demons in them. It's literally considered sex magic, okay, by those in the occult. You can't just, how do you repair that breach? I mean, I'm not saying Jesus Christ can't deliver them, but this church has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. They're of their father the devil, and of his lust they will do. The devil loves false religion. He loves it. And this church personifies false religion. It's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which Jesus Christ said in Revelation that he hates. The priesthood over the laity. Oh, we're better than you. We can tell you what to believe and what not to believe. That's all this church is. And then, uh, <laughs> oh my word, let me, let me just read this again. Asking how the, the abuse exploded within the church. The pontiff called on senior clerics to repair as much as possible the injustices that occurred and to help victims heal through a better presentation of the Christian message. A better presentation? What, the Catholic message? They have nothing to do with Christianity. This church has nothing to do with Bible-believing Christianity. Nothing at all. How can you better present a Christian message when you're presenting a false gospel? It's another gospel. It's a gospel based on works and keeping the the uh, sacraments and all this other garbage and all these other hoops you have to go through and confessional to a priest and all these other unbiblical things that you're supposed to do. It has nothing to do with Bible-believing Christianity. Not, not, not one thing does this. All it's doing is leading people straight to the pit of hell. goes on to say, We cannot remain silent about the context of these times in which these events have come to light. He said, citing the growth of child pornography, he said, quote, that seems in some way to be considered more and more normal by society. Wow, you're really doing a lot of great things there, Mr. Popey. Popey. I mean, you're saying that it's just considered more and more normal by society, end of quote. Well, that's great. That you're, really, you're really giving that great answer that we've been looking for. No, all he's doing is, to me is perpetuating it, whitewashing it, and basically saying, hey, if it feels good, do it. You know, I mean, there's no there's no good or evil anymore. This is just normal. It's normal to defile little kids. You know, it, it, we got so many priests doing this, it's got to be normal, right? I mean, how sickening. The Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put light for dark and dark for light, that put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. And if he's not doing that, I don't know who is. You know what would be good, I think? I'm looking for the day when God starts raining his fury down on these devils that pose in the Christian church. That day's coming, I believe it. I believed it for a long time. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Now this has nothing to do with the house of God. Okay, But they are under that whole Christian pseudo-veneer, right? You know, if God started judging people, like, you know, raining down fire and brimstone on people, or maybe consuming people on a pillar of fire, you think that might get people's attention? Honestly, whenever you see God's judgment in the Bible, good things always happen. Good things always happen. And this guy is straight from the pit of hell. This Pope. 
goes on to say, but the outraged Dublin victim, Andrew Madden, last night insisted that child abuse was not considered normal in the company that he kept. See, the, 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 the secular people, the people that have been damaged by the Catholic Church, have enough sense to know that this man is a devil. Okay? But the, the, what I can't understand is the people within the Catholic Church, that they just stay in this. I mean, if this wouldn't convince them that they had to get out, I don't know what will. Well, the demons have blinded them. You know, they're in that works-based religion. They might have a whole lifetime invested in this religion. And it's very, very hard for people to break free. The longer they stay in a cult, not only do the demonic strongholds get stronger, it's like hooks they get in you. Not only do these demonic strongholds get stronger, but the longer they've been in the religion, the more they have invested in it, and the harder it is for them to break free from that bondage. So this is why people, I mean, I would think that by these statements alone, people would be coming out of the Catholic, Catholic cult in mass. I mean, if these statements don't make it happen, I don't know what will. Well, see, it's demonic, it's spiritual. So that's why it doesn't happen. It seems obvious to, I'm probably sure my listeners and a lot of other people, a lot of unsaved people would be obvious, but not to the people caught in the cult because they're too close to the forest to see the trees. They're too demonically blinded. And again, you should pray for these people if you if you know Catholics and these things, that their eyes get open, you know, to, to these things, and, and, and that the, the demons that are blinding them, that they be removed, so that their souls can be saved. Because if they follow this religion, they're just going to end up in hell. It's terrible. Uh, Mr. Madden accused the Pope of not knowing that child pornography was the viewing of images of children being sexually assaulted and abused, and should be named as such. No, he just chose to say, well, it's becoming more normal in society. And there's really no good or evil anymore. You know? <laughs> Unbelievable. And this is the, this is the spiritual whatever rock that, that the Catholic Church is looking up to for guidance? I mean, golly, you could pull a bum off the side of the road and he'd know better than to say what this, this devil said. Anybody with half a brain would know better. But not him, no, no. Uh-uh. Unbelievable. Then he goes on to say, uh, he says, that's not normal. I, I don't know what company the Pope has been keeping for the past 50 years regarding what kind of company would you be keeping for the last 50 years, Mr. Pope, to utter those statements that you said. I mean, what kind of delusional state are you in? I mean, this is, this is almost like a, a, a madman would say something like that. Angry abuse victims in America last night said that while some church officials have blamed the liberalism of the 1960s for the church's sex abuse scandals and cover-up catastrophes, Pope Benedict has come up with a new theory of blaming the 1970s. He said, quote, Catholics should be embarrassed to hear their Pope talk again about abuse while doing little or nothing to stop it. Okay, now this is okay. I'm sorry. Catholics should be embarrassed to hear their Pope talk again and again about abuse while doing nothing to stop it and to mischaracterize this heinous crime, said Barbara Blaine, uh, the head of it's called SNAP, Survivor Network of Those Abused by Priests. There's whole networks of ex Catholics that are just formed as support groups for those abused by priests. She's just one of the many. I mean, Again, she's right. Catholics should be embarrassed. I mean, I, I don't think this is strong enough. 
I tend to, I tend to really try to tell it like it is. I tend to tell it like, you know, just obvious here, okay? Catholics should be embarrassed to hear their Pope talk about, again and again, about abuse while doing nothing or little or nothing to stop it and to mischaracterize this heinous crime. Isn't that what he did? Did he say anything about doing in-depth probes to expose this evil within the ranks of the Catholic Church? No, he'd have to start at the top. hes I, I would almost guarantee he's just one of them. Him and his cardinals. You don't get to the top of those hierarchies and not be defiled yourself. I mean, it's not like all those guys like the Cardinals and the Pope and all the, oh, well, we're above all that. We've, we've never even had any of those inklings or inclinations toward young children. No, it doesn't work that way. The, the farther you go up toward the head of something corrupt, the more wicked and corrupt it is. And if the head's sick, the whole body's gonna be sick. And this is one sick cookie of, of a cult institution here. The Catholic Church. And then she goes on to say this, Barbara Blaine, it's fundamentally disturbing to watch a man so conveniently misdiagnose a horrific scandal, she insisted. Uh, The Pope insists on talking about the vague, broader context he can't control. While ignoring the clear, broader context, he can influence the long-standing and unhealthy culture of a rigid, secretive, all-male church hierarchy fixated on self-preservation at all costs. This is the context that matters. This latest controversy comes as the German magazine Die Spiegel continues to investigate the Pope's role in allowing a known pedophile priest to work with children in the early 1980s. I tell you, uh, I just continue to get shocked over and over and over again by what the Catholic Church allows and condones and that there's not some mass outcry globally against this wicked, sick institution. And, And all doing it... Um, I think the thing that disgusts me the most is that they do it under the veneer saying that they're Christian and that they represent Jesus Christ and that they're the mother of all Christian churches. That's the, that's their, that's what they say they are. And I, I love it when all the people that hate and despise Christianity, and this is so common, and I've said this before, when they lump us in, a born again Bible believing Christian, I love it when they lump us in with the Catholic Church. You Christians have committed more atrocities in the last thousand years than any other. Don't lump me in with the Catholics, because I got nothing to do with that. And they were the ones going after born-again Christians the most during the Inquisition, because they have the power to do it. Trust me, if they had that power again, they'd do the same thing over again. They just haven't got to that point yet. So anyway, I, I I had to mention this. It was just... Unbelievably horrific. Next article, early cancer, and this is a real shift in gears here, early cancer screening causes millions of death, could cause millions of death. Um, This is written by the Liberty Doctor. My early training was in biochemistry. I did several uh, years of rotations through the department at MD Anderson that did human testing and development on new chemotherapeutic agents along with nucleoside analogs. This is a little technical, but I I want you to get the gist of this because this is really important. This article here. This could kill a lot of people. Uh, This department is called Developmental Therapeutics. Part of our interdepartmental philosophy was to have brainstorming meetings with premier researchers and clinicians from all over the world almost every day. One of the things that these all these fathers and mothers of the chemotherapeutic industry agreed on was a particular, quote, cancer model. The model was essentially that cancer arises when cells deranged by having their genetic programming changed in expression. Um, 
or from actual mutations of the code, and in some cases, modification of the code by viruses. So in other words, what, what actually causes cancer. Most agree that every man, woman, and child under this model would develop cancers somewhere in their bodies every year several times. But they normally go away. Did you know that? We have bodies in cells in our body that at any one given time, several times per year, can actually actually develop into a cancerous cell. A cancerous cell is a normal cell that has mutated into a cancerous cell. Okay, and this can happen in our own body several times per year in several areas of our body per year. Fortunately, the most common thing that happens to a cell when it is modified is for it to actually die. Rather than it's losing its inhibition to grow greedily into its neighbors and stimulate capillaries to support it and become a malignancy. That's not the normal thing that happens. By far the most normal thing that happens is it actually dies in and of itself. Most mutations are non-viable. In addition, our cells have a very aggressive repair mechanism that fix what they call transcription errors, this is DNA transcription errors, on a genetic level. In the event that the error is not fixed and some of the cells do grow, the immune system then recognizes the cells as foreign and kills them. That's what happens in the vast, vast majority of cancer. Okay, Most people don't understand that. My concern is that early detection of cancer, which is what they're really hugely pushing for right now, my concern is that early detection of the cancer at the cellular level will have us aggressively looking for locations of these early cancers. The main tool for finding early cancer location, when you don't know if it's in the lung, liver, colon, prostate, mouth, or wherever you're full body scanning, is full body scanning. If you check out background radiation experience and compare it with other radiation experiences, you will find that most of our exposure, other than background radiation, is occupational or from medical testing and therapy. 75% of our exposure to radiation, on average, in this country, is from CAT scans alone. CAT scans are massive, massive amounts of radiation. I, I talked about this about a month, 45 days ago. A guy had even emailed into me and he said, confirmed, he worked with CAT scans. The, the amount of radiation you're getting exposed to there is massive. Okay, I, and I had said in a, in a previous teaching, I stopped doing x-rays uh, just because, well, the Lord led me out of that and in, in more into the ministry. And x-rays are an infinitesimal uh, minute dose compared to a CAT scan. Infinitesimally minute. Okay? So, you have to understand that. When you're dealing with CAT scans, you're dealing with, ma- I mean, mammographies. We talked about that. How much radiation women are being exposed to with a mammography. And every time you get a mammography, your risk of cancer is going up 2 or 3% of breast cancer. So the very thing that is supposedly screening for it is actually causing it. Well, who's going to benefit from that? Well, the imaging center that's doing it and also the medical profession when you actually get breast cancer and then you become a surgical candidate or chemotherapy radiation, whatever way they're going to poison or burn it out. It all works to the pharmaceutical industry. Pharmakia, which is where we get the root word for sorcery in the Bible. So that's what happens. 75% of the exposures from CAT scans alone you're much better off trying to get an MRI if you got to get something. 
MRI is magnetic resonance imaging. It's a magnetic picture. It's not uh, derived from radiation like CAT scans are. Also, thermography. Somebody said, what's, what's the alternative on mammography? Okay, thermography, which is where they do heat signatures. You, they also have what they call diagnostic ultrasound. And these are things that aren't going to irradiate you and, 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 and further risk you. But see, those aren't the things that, that the medical profession is going to try to push you toward. Because ultimately, the people that are behind making these machines and doing these tests, the evil that are at the very, very top, they want to push you into those tests. Because they want you to get cancer. They want to decrease world population. They want to create, um, make money off you. And they, and they want to create patients. It's called reoccurring revenue. And these are publicly traded corporations on the stock market, and their main goal is to make money. Uh, it is very likely that aggressive use of scanning technology will double or triple the incidence of radiation-caused cancer in the diagnostic patient's future. Double or triple. It's also likely that in cases that can't, the cancer cannot be found on the scan, um, I believe that later, because they picked it up and now they can't pick it up, it's because it has already been destroyed by natural processes. Or it's died on its of its own. Okay, So, oh wow, we picked up this area. They scan it again. Two months later, it's gone. Well, it's because of this process of the immune system that I just went over. Okay? Uh, Nevertheless, people will be encouraged, though, even though they can't find it, to undergo preventative regimes of chemotherapy, which also will cause a direct increase in other forms of cancer. Sure. You know what they've actually been doing for years? This This is the best. This is the best ever. Preventative... Radical double mastectomies. Preventative. Radical double mastectomies. And take the lymph nodes too while you're at it. Well, woman comes in, you're at a very high risk for breast cancer. We can see by your, your family history. We think you should have both breasts removed preventatively before it happens. That is how sick the medical profession is. It's as though cancer just happens. You have no say-so about it. That's what they want you to believe. Cancer is something that your body has to have the right terrain and environment in to happen. Okay, It just doesn't happen by chance. And yes, right now, according to EPA, and, and I think this is much, much higher, this is previously studied studies, there's over 70,000 different potential things we could be exposed to on a daily basis. And the vast majority of those 70,000 chemicals or cancer-causing, carcinogenic. So yeah, there's so many things that cause cancer now, I, I couldn't even tell. When somebody says, like that one lady, Hilda Clark, the cure for all cancers. No, parasites aren't just the cure for all. She says parasites. No, that's wrong. It's garbage. Anybody that says there's one thing that causes cancer, that is a lie from the pit of hell. There's so many things that causes cancer now, I couldn't even begin to tell you. So many different chemicals out there that can do it. All these different radiations that we're being exposed to. The chemtrails, the fluoride, the chlorine in the water, the so many different things. All the additives in the foods, all the pesticides they spray on things. Yes, parasites could be a part of it. But there's so many things that causes cancer, you can't just nail it down and say, this is the cause. No. There's way too many things. And then that's why it's so complicated to treat anymore. Because there's so many different things that can actually potentially cause it. So, um, going further, so again, 
People will be encouraged to undergo preventative regimes of chemotherapy, poison, essentially. Uh, I'm not 100% exactly what it is now, but I know when it first came out, it was it was diluted mustard gas, which is what they used in World War I to, to gas people with. Um, chemotherapy, which also will cause direct increase in all of the forms of cancer. I mean, we're talking about a poison. Much more early risk-benefit analysis needs to be done in regard to what percentage of these early cancers are going to take root before we start looking for them with radiation or poisoning the whole patient so we might kill a baby cancer. But again, this plays right into the medical pharmaceutical pharmaceutical cartel's hands. Um, Plays right into their hands. And then there's a few other links here you can click on. Uh, Scientists discover that radiation causes breast cancer. Uh, then cancer cells feed on fructose, study finds. It also feeds on glucose. Cancer's favorite food, high fructose corn syrup. We found, we talked about this. Found in almost everything you eat. you got to really read labels. That high fructose corn syrup is death. Diabetes, cancer, you name it, man, it's going to give it to you if you put enough in your body. And it's one of the main things in, in I mean, any kind of soft drink. And, and all the processed foods. It's loaded. I mean, you read labels, and I mean, it's just all chemicals. They're trying to kill you off. Okay, it's all by design. This is from my, uh, one of my first presentations I ever did. It's called Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge, What Your Doctor's Not Telling You. I've never done this on the internet. It would take, I don't know how many parts to actually do it. But this is an excerpt from that Word document. And... The first thing it says is myth. Cancer is something that is largely genetically determined. Okay, Truth. While a genetic predisposition to cancer can exist, cancer can only form in a body that has a suitable terrain for its growth to occur. Cancer is not caught. It is earned through poor diet, excessive stress, exposure to environmental toxins. Now, I'm not saying that you can help being exposed to chemtrails or that you can help being a lot of things. But there are a lot of things you, you can do to limit your exposure to a lot of these chemicals. Over 100 years ago, very few Americans ever died of cancer. Did you know that? Some physicians would practice their whole career without seeing one case. Did you know that? Yeah, that's the way it used to be. Currently, though, 42% of Americans can expect to develop cancer in their lifetime. The World Health Organization estimates deaths from cancer will double over the next 20 years. This is my little excerpt on glucose and cancer. Now, you could also add fructose in this as well. Sugars. Now, you could say, well, oh, I don't eat glucose. And yeah, anytime you eat a carbohydrate, it's either being typically broken down into either glucose or fructose. Okay, just so you know. Dr. Quigley, one of the most celebrated cancer authorities in the mid-1900s, stated that it is impossible to treat any cancer patient successfully until you get all the glucose, and I would say put this synthetic refined sugar and carbohydrates primarily out of their diet because it sets the stage for cancer. Now, that doesn't mean that like, if you're eating carbohydrates, you're, you're, you can eat good carbohydrates, but if you're eating a ton of good carbohydrates, that can still, still set the stage for cancer. Okay, why? Researchers at John Hopkins found that by just removing the glucose or sugar from the diet of cancer patients, and that could be pasta, that could be bread, that anything that carbohydrates break down to ultimately, as far as if it gets down to glucose or fructose, those things would be included. 
that the vast majority of the cancer patients, if they just removed really carbohydrates, I'm, I'm just going to say, to make it simple, that the vast majority of the cancer patients went into remission. Now, I'm not saying it's that easy anymore. Because there's too many other chemicals that can cause it. There's too many other things they're doing to the environment. But, yes, this is one major part. It was determined that the cancer cells will self-destruct when deprived of carbohydrates, essentially. They self-destruct. It was also proven that as blood sugar rises, so does cancer risk. Otto Warburg, the two-time Nobel Prize winner recipient, stated the following... Quote, but even for cancer, there is what but one primary cause. Now, you have to understand, this is back in like the 40s, when this probably was the primary cause. Right now, there's so many things that cause it, you know, it'd be hard to determine. But this is, this is definitely still one of the main. He summarized in a few words, the cause of cancer is the replacement of the respiration of oxygen in the normal body cells by fermentation of sugar. Cancer cells cannot live in an oxygen-rich environment or in a sugar-carbohydrate-laden environment. I mean, they, can, they, they thrive in a carbohydrate-laden environment, but they cannot live in an oxygen-rich environment. That's another thing. If you, um, cancer is what they call anaerobic. It thrives in an oxygen-deprived environment. Okay? And it also thrives in a carbohydrate glucose, fructose, rich environment. You're feeding the cancer. And um, whatever you can do to oxygenate your body regarding cancer is also very good. Um, One of the best forms of exercise you can do to oxygenate your body is those little rebounders, those little mini trampolines. That's one of the best ways you can can use to actually um, oxygenate your body. Okay, and so if you just do those two things alone, limit carbohydrate consumption and get yourself a little rebounder, you know, if you if you battle cancer or whatever. And now, granted, I know there's a lot of herbs and things you can do and those types of things, but I'm I'm talking about foundational things that you might want to know about regarding cancer. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Again, this is this is a related story. FDA outlawing injectable vitamin C to further destroy the health of Americans. Uh, it's not content to kill 100,000 Americans each year with the deadly big pharma drugs while censoring the truth about the healing effects of herbs, national natural supplements, and natural medicines. The FDA is now set out to deny Americans access to yet another life-saving medicine simply known they're saying it's vitamin C. It's not vitamin C. What they're referencing to is Pharmaceutical ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid is not vitamin C. Okay, vitamin C is a complex, like in an orange. Ascorbic acid, if you look at vitamin C from a biochemical standpoint, is only the outer rim of the vitamin C molecule, and it is the molecule that is the antioxidant portion that preserves what's inside the actual vitamin C molecule. Um, there's things like um, tyranase and um, co- organic copper and what they call P-factors, K-factors, J-factors. There's all these things within the vitamin C molecule as God put it in nature, like in an orange. Okay, Ascorbic acid, who the FDA says is vitamin C, is not vitamin C. What ascorbic acid, calling ascorbic acid vitamin Z, is like taking the steering wheel off a Cadillac and giving it to somebody and saying, this is a Cadillac. If you get the steering wheel and you're looking at it and you're like, well, it's not a Cadillac, it's the steering wheel off a Cadillac, that's what ascorbic acid is. It's part 
of the vitamin C molecule, but it is not the whole vitamin C molecule. Not only that, ascorbic acid is synthetically made. Okay, now, I'm not saying that this therapy they're talking about doesn't work, though, and I'll explain to you why I believe it works in a second. Um, as reported by the Alliance for Natural Health, the FDA has notified a manufacturer of injectable vitamin C that it will be criminally prosecuted if it continues to manufacture this life-saving nutritional therapy. In an age where tens of millions of Americans are already vitamin C deficient. See, your body can't make vitamin C. Okay? Animals can make vitamin C. Not a lot of people know this. But animals can make it in their own body. We can't. We have to get it outwardly from our foods. Okay, You can't make it. Your adrenals depend on it. Your immune system depends on it. Okay? And um, the best vitamin C I have ever found is from um, Right Foods or Innate. Um, they're, they're, they've got a whole food vitamin C derived in a whole food way. They're the only company that I know of that's figured out a way to do it. It's the actual whole real C molecule. Okay, that's the one I... I, uh, I don't know if you say I prescribe or, or I, I take myself and I prescribe. It, it, it really is the best vitamin C I've ever used, ever. I do not take ascorbic acid. Um, ascorbic acid is, is really like a drug. I mean, it's made in 50-gallon 50, 50 fats, and, and it's just part of the C molecule. It's synthetic. It really is like a drug. It actually, at doses of about 500 milligrams, it can actually cause... Um, uh, damage to your DNA. They've actually done studies and they've determined that. But, in certain instances, yes, it can work. And I'm going to explain to you why I believe ascorbic acid will work in a lot of people. In a second here. Um, let's see here. In an age where tens of millions of Americans are already vitamin C deficient and suffer from colds and other infections that can be prevented with vitamins, the FDA appears to be acting on what can only be called a death wish for the American people. But really, it's more like likely a targeted attack on alternative cancer industry that frequently uses injectable vitamin C to help patients eliminate cancerous tumors and heal from various cancers. Yeah, they actually use injectable ascorbic acid, and a lot of people have been cured of cancer just from doing injectable ascorbic acid. Not a lot of people know that, but that's that is true, and I know I'm pretty sure I've I've had even um, some people I've interacted with that have used this successfully. If there's one thing that health authorities in the United States absolutely cannot tolerate, it is natural cures for cancer. They don't want any competition. They want people to get cancer. Not only does it fulfill the depopulation agenda, but before you die, if you're being treated for cancer, most likely you're going to give every dime that you've got in your life savings over to the cancer doctors and the medical pharmaceutical cartels to save your life, which in the end it rarely works anyway. That's what they want. Total destruction of our lives. Total financial ruin and hell. And ultimately put you in the grave. I'm not saying that all MDs are evil. I'm saying that's what the pharma cartels, the people at the very top, that's their desire. Okay, these are some of the most wicked, evil people on the planet. Okay, you could have a really nice MD, and, and, and he's just part of the system, and he's just duped into believing that this or that, or this is all he's ever been taught, it's all he's ever known. Okay, I'm talking about the people at the top that control the colleges where the MD went to school, that, you know, control 
or own the hospitals and the pharmaceutical manufacturing plants. They're the ones that have designed this system. So that's why nearly all cancer treatment clinics have been chased out of this country. Of course, leaving only toxic chemotherapy centers, poison clinics in their place. And that's probably why the FDA is going after the vitamin C right now as well. Take away enough natural cures and the people will be forced into accepting conventional medicine, regardless of whether it works or not. Injectable vitamin C has uh, many other uses besides cancer as well. Uh, as the ANH reports, the government, instead of banning intravenous vitamin C, should instead be supporting research into it. Even though IV uh, ascorbic acid is being used in burn units around the world, including the U.S., and has been adopted by the military for this purpose, the National Institutes of Health refuses to fund any studies using intravenous C in patients. They are privately funded studies currently underway, but of course these cannot continue if the FDA then bans the substance. And then I give you a link here, uh, take action to protect your access to ascorbic acid. Uh, I give you a link here you can you can click on here. Um, and that way, you know, we can be proactive. Because if we do nothing, if we just sit back and say, yeah, just take it away, they'll just keep taking, it'll never end. Not to say they're not, it's not going to get taken. I'm talking about resisting evil in this regard. Okay, because this is pure evil. Um, and let me go further on this thing about why I believe a score, injectable ascorbic acid would work. Okay, so I, I did the whole, for a long time, the whole alkaline water thing. Okay, I, I got in, I bought into that hook, line, and sinker when I first came out. I bought the alkalization machines. I mean, I spent a lot of money. This was a long time ago, okay? As a doctor, I was doing this. And I bought into the whole alkalizer dye deal. And then I bought these things and I didn't notice any improvement whatsoever at all. And this has just been this big trend in the last 15 years, this alkali. And yet before that, all of the, um, not all, but most of the time-honored things that people have been doing in the past didn't go along with that. Uh, There is a book written called Vermont Folk Medicine by a guy named D.C. Jarvis. And what he did, and this book was written a long time ago, he went to these Vermont farmers in, you know, like the mountains and stuff, and he saw that they rarely ever got sick. And what he found that they were doing is a uh, teaspoon to a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar every day and some honey. And what he was finding was that this acidifying effect was keeping them where they didn't get sick. And they were also using this with their cattle and with their um, finding that if they fed this, put a little bit of vinegar in the feed and these types of things, that the cattle did a lot better, the meat tasted better. And they did this for, I mean, probably hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden this alkalizer dye craze hits. You've got to be alkaline. You've got to do this and you've got to do that or you're going to die. And I bought into it when it initially happened. This was quite a while ago, probably about 15 years ago. And I didn't see any change at all. And as I started researching, I realized that, that, that really what the, the um, research, the true research, the time-tested research indicated was the exact opposite of what they were saying. And I've got an article here. It's regarding the alkalized alkaline water. And this, these are just some studies that have been done regarding humans and um, uh, 
it says um, these are some scientific research studies. pH appears to have a major influence on what they call the cell mitochondria. Mitochondria, part of the cell, is the powerhouse, the energy source of the cells of the body. Okay? It says normal cells die under extremely alkaline conditions. A study published by the journal Biological Chemistry found alkalosis causes an alkaline-induced cell death as a result of alter, altering mitochondrial function. So people that are into this craze, they're just trying to drink the most alkaline water that they can possibly get in their body. Okay, And um, they're saying here that normal cells die under extremely alkaline conditions. Another study of out of Cornell University, and I've got the link here. I can send this to people if they want it. They, my email address is available on contendingfortruth.com on the right-hand side. This one states that antioxidants have not proven to be effective against many neurodegenerative diseases, and that they state it may be the result of how mitochondria operate within the cell in certain pH conditions, and really meaning that if it's too alkaline, the antioxidants cannot work. Okay. Um, then we go further. There are some scientific studies that argue against alkalinity, as specifically regarding cancer, okay, um, scientists who are in the process of developing prototypes for potential new anti-cancer agents that selectively kill tumor cells by interfering with the regulation of intercellular pH have found that alkaline treatments do not have the desired effect, but strongly acidic treatments do. Well, maybe that's why ascorbic acid... Ascorbic acid is an acid. That's why it works against cancer. Because tumor cells actually are killed in, under strongly acidic environments. It's um, less, less alkalinity inside a cancer cell seems to be what you want, not more. So all of um, these ionizer, alkaline ionizer salesmen that were promoting alkaline water... Um, they're saying that you're going to lower your cancer risks are completely clueless when it comes to what the scientific research actually shows you. Uh, even more, and this, is, this totally relates to what I just said, a 2005 study by the National Cancer Institute which revisits the use of vitamin C, or they say, vitamin C, I say ascorbic acid, to treat cancer. They found that in pharmacologic doses administered intravenously, ascorbic acid successfully killed cancer cells without harming normal cells. This is yet another example of cancer cells being vulnerable to actually acidity, acidity as opposed to alkalinity. Right there. I don't want to say too much more about that. I, I really need to go to the next part of the study. But the next part of this, you know what it says? Balance is key. Balance. You don't want to be too... Now, granted, if you're treating cancer, you got to do what you got to do, okay, well, as far as acidity, uh, ascorbic acid or whatever. Now, I'm not sure where you would even go to get that now, because uh, if they ban it you know, in America, you probably have to go to another country. But balance is key, okay? Balance. Let's have balance. I talk about that a lot. Let's have biblical balance. Let's not, like isolate one scripture and key on that one little scripture to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible. Okay, this is how cults get started. I mean, you look at like all the cults that have offshooted off Christianity, that's what they usually do. They key on one little portion of scripture to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible. See it happen all the time. People all the time. They're, God showed me this. And it's like something that... You know, yeah, I guess we could debate maybe, 
But now they've created their own religion out of this one verse. And I, I think to myself, wow, you're so special that God showed you this one verse. And he hasn't shown anybody else that verse. And he's given you this interpretation of that verse. And it usually hinges on salvation or something. And I said, it's kind of funny because I guess all the other people who were never shown that verse, all the other millions of people that have died before us, and even ones that were self-professing Christians, I guess they all went to hell because they weren't so special like you and God hadn't shown them that verse. Do you realize the audacity of that? To think that I'm so special that God showed me this one thing and everybody else is duped and I'm the only one on the planet that has it all figured out. I cannot tell you how many times I run across this Usually daily, or at least weekly, where people, you know, they want to um, major on minors and minor on majors. All the time. You know, the world's imploding here. We've got all these things in the Bible being fulfilled. We've got the New World Order being rushed, uh, ushered in. And people want to argue about some little remote doctrine that they believe salvation hinges on all of a sudden. And yet nobody ever else in the course of history was ever shown this great importance that they've been shown. That's pride. That is pride. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. I see it all the time. You better pray for humility. You better pray for humility. Because humility, I really believe, will take care of so many things in your Christian walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, it's one of the few things I think the Lord can honor. Humility. I mean, what can you really give the Lord? I mean, as far as a work goes. I believe the Lord would, would, would look down on humility and honor humility. Because it's like... You're, you're putting yourself in right standing before God if you're humble before Him. I mean, I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about real humility. Pray for the fear of God and humility. Those two things alone will take care of a lot of other things in your Christian walk. I have noticed that. So, anyway, I just see a lot of pride and arrogance. Not, not in my listeners. I'm talking about just people you end up interacting with that get into these cult offshoots of... Christianity. The last thing I have on this is the top 10 survival downloads you should have. I'm not, I'm not saying these are the top 10 definitive, but somebody emailed this to me and it looked good and I'm, I'm going to put it up there. Um, top 10 survival downloads, modern survival online. Um, the next one is uh, military first aid manual. Next one is guide to canning. Uh, next one is a ranger's handbook. Uh, and again, it gives you little descriptions of, of things there. Um, and then, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, there's this next link, where there's no dentist. Well, you never know what situation you might be in. Uh, now, I'm not saying to go do your own dental work, but I'm saying that if, if you were, worst case scenario, this might come in as a life-saving tool or uh, next one is uh, emergency war surgery, uh, guide to raising uh, raised bed gardening, some specific type of gardening, um, household cyclopedia, survival evasion recovery manual. So anyway, uh, and then army survival manual. Just a lot of probably really good how-to information that's free. Now, whenever I can give you these types of things, I like to be able to put it out to you so you don't have to pay for for something like that. So anyway, that's the end of our first study. We're going to go to our part two next. Thank you. God bless.
If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot netcom dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.